0: right welcome everyone back to dissecting popular IT nerds today. Uh, doom and gloom, fear how AI is taking over the world, all those horrible things that are probably um, well we don't know yet, but we're, we're hoping it's it's not going to happen. Welcome Edward Shenard to the show artificial intelligence ai strategy data and analytics leadership um very happy to have you on the show and um so welcome
1: I'm glad to be here thank you
0: and um so yes why why ai um first of all if if it's if it's something to be feared and hated why why is it uh, why are we talking about it so much and what and why is it taking over and has it taken over yet or is it kind of just in the joke stage
1: oh, i don't think it's taken over yet and i think calling it intelligence is still being a bit uh, favorable to, towards it.
0: Uh, <laughs> I have an AI guy. I tried to have and and he's really good with like, you know, knowing all the prompts. He's been playing with it since the inception. Um he's pretty much had to he, he was able to quit his day job and, and and do just AI all the time and he got really good at having it mimic my somewhat of my writing style because I was a creative writing major that's how I got into th- technology of course being a creative writing major and um he was able to get it to mimic my writing style somewhat but as it moved on it just became too it was too animated I think you could just tell it was kind of cheesy and, and not hitting on point anymore so uh, right. i mean
1: i think there's i think there's a lot of great potential with ai mm-hmm. uh, but it's the it's it's just still a tool. If we're going to have some issues with it, it really comes down to the fact that there's an idiot behind the keyboard.
0: Mm. <laughs> so uh, as far as IT leadership goes, uh, what should we be concerned about? Or is there anything that... Um, you, one of the topics on the show that comes up a lot is technology leaders um, stepping into the business seat and no longer... Use just keeping the technology running, so to speak. Right, managing the silos, uh, being stuck in a cost center. What does, what can we use, or what do you foresee in the future of AI being used for as a business force multiplier to help the business do what a business is supposed to do primarily, which is make money.
1: Well, I myself actually came more from like the business analytics background, not necessarily like a technical background. So I've always had sort of this interesting position that I've been in. Uh, I've always been very focused on the customer experience. Now with AI, I think a lot of conversations that I see in the media, they're talking about like all these jobs being lost. And I'm like, yeah, some jobs are going to get lost, but some jobs are going to get created. Mm -hmm. So how do I position my team to be uh well-versed so you know like, like i mentioned before we started recording back last december i'm sitting in my my house with covid and reading all these articles about open ai which just uh, really come out started started playing around chat gpt and i'm sitting there telling telling everybody's at work saying hey you got to get on this thing this thing's going to take off mm. of course they're all like uh ah, okay you know you probably got like fever hallucination or something Uh, there there was like two people that actually listened to me
0: Uh uh-huh
1: then then around like april they're like hey everyone's talking about this stuff we should get on it's like yeah did you ever check out that prompt engineering course i sent you all no (laughs) okay that so uh, you know i i see it as like yeah we're at that early stage there's a lot of gimmicky things going out there and companies are struggling to really come up with like really good business cases for ai that i'm that i really haven't seen like Of them out there that I'm like, hey, this is like really innovative. A lot of it's just like like this morning I saw somebody saying, like, hey, you can use chat GPT to find stuff on on a map. I'm like, so basically it's Google Map with Chat GPT. what's the newness here? What what are you really solving that I don't have a solution for already? Okay. A lot of companies are still struggling with that. We got to get over this gimmicky stage to that, that real like, what pain point did I just solve for, for someone?
0: So since you're in logistics, let's um maybe we can use that as an example. Do you have any ideas? So for, for people out there listening, logistics, we're talking about transportation. We're talking about those guys that drive those big trucks down the street, Um, uh, independent truckers, truckers that work for a business. And it's kind of a, if you have a bunch of trucker friends like I do, which I just happen to have a bunch of trucker friends, then you know that they're constantly constantly complaining about load prices and gas prices going up. And even though COVID created a lot of demand, the gas prices went up, but the load prices didn't go up and now they're not making any money anymore. And uh, they're pretty much looking for another job or a way to get out of the business or they've figured out, or if you talk to the right guy, he's figured out some little niche in the trucking business that makes more money than the others. Um, And you talk with the Home Depot guy that drops off your load at the house and he's like, I love it. I just work, you know, local from, you know, Monday through Friday. So this is kind of the, that's on the trucker side of the business. Then on the, on the actual other side of the business in the trucking industry, you have, um, you know, dispatch, you've got, um, what do you call the guys that, you know, book all the loads? What's wrong with me? Why can't I think of the name? We, I need you Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Brokers. You've got the brokers and, and, you know, putting all these loads on, a, on what I imagine is like a, let's call it a single pane of glass since salespeople like to use single pane of glass all the time. Um, you know. Uh, going to, uh, yeah, like a, a, broker and, and bidding on loads, et cetera. Am I describing this correctly yeah. from someone from a layman that's kind of in, kind of understands logistics. So how can AI make a difference in that world?
1: Well, I was building out like a, uh, logistics based, large language model now, a lot of people might be like, well, why does logistics need one? Well, logistics has a lot of like interesting terms that most people would be like, well, what's a reefer? What's a dry van?
0: What's- <laughs> what's a re- what is a reefer? I do want to know what a reefer is. Refrigerated uh, trailer. Ah, that's a reefer. <laughs> reefer madness. And you know, when uh, I first
1: I- I- got in the industry and I hear these guys talking about dry vans and I'm sitting here picturing like a minivan and I'm like, what the hell does that have to do with moving a bunch of pallets? But mm-hmm. no, that's like your typical 40 foot tractor uh, trailer. Mm-hmm. And okay. so for like,
0: that's called a dry, van. what's that called again? Dry van. Drive-in. Is there a word for a flatbed? Well, flatbed. Okay. I don't know. Maybe there's a different you know,
1: word. Like, what, what is like, you know, optimization? Well, it depends what you're talking about or pool distribution. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, what is drayage? You know, all these terms that somebody who's not, who's new to the industry is going to have to go out and learn it. It's like, hey, if you had like a large language model that you could just use for like training, that would be great so that that's like an easy one but now it's like you've
0: got me thinking here but hold on hold on don't go anywhere because you got me thinking because i've been in obviously telecom and technology and and, you know for 20 plus years and i'm building a training program for entry-level people right now and we're on the tail end of the entry-level program and, and believe it or not my my ai guy has been building most of it but the one thing that we're trying to come up with is a huge glossary of terms that these people need to know what would be your suggestion there And it's not reefer. It's like, you know, it's MPLS, it's LOA, it's FOC date, FOC date, whatever. There's all these different, you know, terms and acronyms and and insanity there. So, I mean, you know, uh, let's see, what else do we have? Demarcation, demark point, we've got 66 block, numerous things like, you know, so what, what do we do there? Well, I think a lot of companies selfishly, that, I'm selfishly asking because I'm going to go have them do this after <laughs> a lot of companies. They, they probably
1: have their own like terminology library. And if not, well, create a bot to go scrape the web mm. or, you know, hey, hire somebody cheap to just like pull all these terms from from the Internet.
0: Well, if we hire someone cheap, isn't that de- de- defeating the purpose of A.I.?
1: Well, that's the funny thing uh, that that's what open A.I. does for their training is hire a bunch of cheap people to help train the model. Hmm. You mean to start putting prompts in, try different things, that type of thing? Oh, yeah. That's like tuning, training. So you, you want to have like a good database of like the terminology. And then then you want to actually have like a list of questions. <clears throat> and this is what we did was like, just went to the company just said, hey, what are some questions that are kind of difficult the layman would not know? that you would want to ask a tool. So mm. they, they give us like a bunch of questions and we're just like going in, feeding the question. It's like, are we getting the right answer here? Yes, no. If not, how do we tune it? Uh-huh. How do we get to, to get that? Then it was oh, just like, okay. how do we stop the hallucination so it doesn't does it make stuff up? So then we put in like a graph database to add some rigidity to it. Two of those things together work.
0: How did you do that? how did you add a database or uh, yeah how did, so so well first of all the people person sounds interesting but can you walk me through that like the, the first section which is have people feed it you know uh prompts uh number two what database and how did you feed that to it so it, the so the first thing is like uh selecting
1: one of the the open source uh, LLMs. don't don't try and like build this completely by yourself that's like a waste of time right now when you can go get like Dolly, one of the Falcons, Llama 2, and and use one of those to start out with. Mm -hmm. So first go in there, put it on your system, start asking it the questions you want, and see like, how good is this?
0: Give me an example in that. Give me an example from um, logistics.
1: What is a quote? Hmm. Simple question. Okay. So you should be able to understand like, you know, a quote is a price that you're asking for moving a truckload, say, from Chicago to Dallas. Mm Mm-hmm. If it's saying like, well, it's an insurance quote, you know it needs some work. So th- those are like where we started out with just asking those simple questions. And then, then the questions get more complex, like, hey, what is what is pull distribution? Why would I use pull distribution? And again, checking to see how good does the answer come across? Now it's more qualitative at this point because it's not like you're looking at a score chart. It's more like, hey, if I actually know what I'm talking about, does this make sense?
0: Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Or is this just a, or is this like a, a sales rep that's been um, in the office day one and you ask and you start talking about, uh, I don't know, uh, IP addressing and um, NATing and BGP and stuff like that. And, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds like a, you need some networking and it doesn't make any sense or it's real simple. So do you have to feed those questions? Like when you say, what is a quote? Do you have to say, like, hey, pretend you're like in the transportation industry or whatever what is a quote
1: yeah so i well personally i like telling the the model to i like giving it a personality and saying like hey you are xyz type person and Mm -hmm. you should know this 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 and this great Uh, i always you know whatever i'm doing i always find that pretty good even you know if i'm using like ChatGPT, Bard, or Quad2, or I do the same thing. because so I just find it helps.
0: We're, we're thinking of doing one that's, that's uh, I'm probably, I shouldn't give this away because it's kind of giving it away, but we wanted to be like, hi, ChatGPT, pretend that you're like my old uh, granny in um England or whatever and uh, you know nothing about technology uh, uh, right <laughs> like explain uh the whatever to to explain whatever to my my 90 year old granny explain uh mpls to my 90 year old granny or something like that you know I mean? well,
1: if you want some entertainment you could tell it to kind of it's a reddit troll
0: what? <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's actually outstanding um Troll every hater on my LinkedIn feed, please. Will you <laughs> troll every, if you could do that, that'd be great. Uh, every now and then I get some haters. Um, okay. So, all right. So we we're feeding in a bunch of questions and how is it responding?
1: You know, it, again, it's more qualitative. So it's like, you know, there's a bunch of us being like, yeah, does it sound good? Yes. No. If you get the majority saying, yeah, okay. If it's mm-hmm. not, then it's like, well, what data would we need to train it? Uh-huh. And, you know, luckily for us, we, we have some libraries uh, internally that, that helped us out. And if we didn't have it, my first stop was to go to the Snowflake marketplace because we're using Snowflake. And mm-hmm. there's like a lot of free data sets there. So I was like, I ah, will just go there. You know, we, we we're already set up with it. So let's so
0: how do you train it? How do you train it and feed it? Because this is beyond my level now. So how are we feeding this? this oh, good. that's
1: where my, my principal data scientist really takes over from me.
0: Ah. So he's
1: there, he's in there working with my head engineer, data mm-hmm. engineer, and mm-hmm. They're pulling data in from Snowflake, then feeding it into the model. Exactly all the st- steps that they do. Not quite sure on all that, just because I was just like, I'm looking Once for Once the they end.
0: feed it, is it now global or is it proprietary? Uh, in other words, are we feeding an open AI model data that it might not have already? So you're basically helping everybody else. And well, that's okay. Is, I'm not saying is, that's bad, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I want to know.
1: Well, this is an internal one. So we're not going out there like scraping okay. data. We don't have permission to use. So, you know, before we grab the data set, we're looking at terms of services. Like, can we actually use this or not?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: That's one of the things I don't like about OpenAI. It's like, hey, I don't know where you frame this this model on, what data. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, if I'm a content holder with copyrights, I'd probably be suing them, seeing what I can get out of them. And I don't want to be part of that lawsuit. Hmm. So we're quite cognizant about what data we're, we're pulling in there, and do we have permissions to do it? So we're not going out scraping the internet, saying like, "Oh, hey, this looks good. Let's just take it."
0: No, I'm saying once you train it. So you know, you said you're training it, you're feeding it data that whatever is proprietary, you own, you got it, you have rights to it, whatever. Now, once you train this model, that's not escaping the environment, is it? No, it's not. It's all in our own
1: systems. Nothing leaves our systems. Uh, everything's there.
0: Are you running this in the cloud or some little server sitting in a closet?
1: Well, our first iteration was basically principal data Science's laptop, but then that got a little too big. (laughs) So, yeah, then we moved it
0: into, uh, let's see. AWS, Azure, where are we going? Well,
1: first we did Databricks, and then it's more of, then then they decided they wanted to use SageMaker and AWS.
0: Mm. Okay. See, this is great. Because now, now, now it grows. Now, now we're seeing th- this. This is actually this is awesome. Okay, so we fed it some data. What was the second step? I already forgot. Um, well, you got to go
1: back and and once you feed it the data, data, then you got to go back and ask it the questions again, right? And if there was any improvement to it, and. And, you know, if if there is, it's like, great. If not, it's like, okay, so what else might we want to put in here to improve it? And that that's really where it's like, this is where you are going to probably get stuck because it's like, hey, there isn't any manual out there to say, hey, to train it, go get this data set. So you have to really put your creativity hat on and figure out where can I get it and do I have a right to that data? Now, if you're trying to be ethical in what you're doing, you want to make sure you have a right to that data. If you don't, well, you can deal with the consequences that probably will come with that. Because I think we're just at the beginning of the uh, all the legalities that are going to come up. So like when I started uh, 10 years ago, well, 10 plus years ago, doing big data and data science uh, at Best Buy, started that group there. We were getting sued on a regular basis. I feel like I got a uh, <laughs> degree patent law just from that experience. People yeah. were just... Yeah. We're, you know, we think you're using it. We don't know if you are and good documentation to say this. We never lost. Well, we never went to to court because in uh-huh. discovery, we could show we never violated anyone's patent. Only once did we actually pay. And that's because legal said it's cheaper for us to pay them the 25 grand than to actually litigate it. Even, so, and I was like, no, we didn't do anything wrong. Let's do it.
0: No, no, no. We don't care. Bean counting. <laughs> the so, Well, that's a rabbit hole that I I, we, we could go down, maybe we'll save as like, how, how does someone accuse you of, of stealing data anyways? Like in this model, and in this model, in this AI model, how would anyone ever know anyways? Are they just guessing? Well,
1: they, 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 they accuse you. Yeah. They, they basically just say, hey, we think you did it. And then you go through a discovery process where it's like, hey, open your books, show us how you came up with this. And it's the same thing I was dealing with 10 years ago. It was like, hey, we think you violated our patent. Show us how you came up with this. And yeah, we were doing patent checks. And anytime I actually ran into a patent that I was like, hey, this looks very similar to what we're building. All of a sudden, I had to pull myself out of that project. And I couldn't yet actually tell the team about it. Hmm. So whenever I got pulled out, they knew I, I I probably ran into something that if I was now in the mix, could have ran us afoul of something. Ah. Now, like what we're seeing with
0: like- uh, Edward's out, keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and now what we're seeing with like Chat GPT, uh, oh. you know, you have these uh content uh creators that are accusing them of using their work and not uh, crediting them or paying them. And I'm like, hey, if you did, you should, because I've written some stuff, and when somebody you know uses me as a source in like their book or paper, I get like a small check. I mean it's not much, but I'm like, okay, you know, 25 bucks is 25 bucks. I'll take it. Hmm. And I'm like, if they're making money off it, which they are, then yeah, they really should be compensating those content creators in some way.
0: So how would someone be taking their content? Would they be feeding it just into the engine and just saying like, hey, we want to do, I don't know, copywriting for this marketing program for blah, 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 blah. And here's the top five best copywriters in the business right now. Feed all that information to the AI and and pop out something that's original but not really original is that what you're talking about
1: yeah and you know the thing is like how these large language models work i don't think they're really truly original so let's say you've got somebody like i i don't know we'll just take like noam chomsky yes uh, write me something in noam chomsky style well it's going to be truly 100 original probably not i mean i'm i would probably assume some of those sections are basically just plagiarism mm. I want to double check to see it's like is this truly original or is this just basically ah, we took a paragraph from this book, a paragraph from another book and kind of stuck them together.
0: Yeah, okay, but good point. So
1: far flies is plagiarism.
0: Right. Okay, so to to come back to making money while avoiding plagiarism, um getting maybe fake suit or real suit or just paying the bill anyways. Uh we fed the AI um engine glossaries of terms from the trucking industry and freights and how to answer quotes and now we feel that it's somewhat like a real bot that what do we do now what was the next step
1: that's where it you have to start looking beyond the the large language model that's where okay. i was looking at like generative agents so i ran across this interesting paper from stanford where they were like hey look you can like create video games where you inject data and the you know these npc players aren't so npc anymore and i was like yeah well i'm thinking about how do i use that in a business environment Mm -hmm. so i was like imagine if i gave you an app with an actual generative agent that you could give it data it can remember the data and could give you some alerts so Not just like for logistics themselves, but people that are interested in logistics. So there's like a lot of retail, CPG, manufacturing executives that do want to know, hey, what's the spot rate today? What are the loads like? This agent could literally tell you what's happening and give you some some like prescriptive analytics that go along with it. Like, hey, we you know, based off what we're seeing here, you know, LTL rates are probably still going to stay low for the next two weeks. that's the kind of stuff that could be help really helpful for a lot of people
0: the other aspect of it is just Mm, what's the what's the current gold spot price should i buy gold or not these type of things yeah right now the financial 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 guys are going they could never do what i do or you know you can look
1: at like at fitness like you know i want like give me a generative agent that talks to me like the snake diet guy on on youtube Snake Diet
0: Guy. Let's yeah, take this. This, this comes to this break in the show where we talk about random people that we follow on YouTube that are really cool and awesome. Today's episode focuses on the Snake Diet Guy. Okay, what is this guy? I've never heard of this guy because I'm going to Google this now. Oh, it's like, he's,
1: he's this Canadian guy that basically talks about fasting, and he like starts out his videos usually yelling, hey, fatty, just starts like- Of course. Fat shame. That works. Yeah, I mean, and it it's kind of funny watching him, but I, I also hear people saying, like, actually, it's kind of motivating. I'm like, okay, if it if it works for you, great.
0: Snake diet, lose 35 pounds in 15 days. Okay, that's a, That's above the first teen, that's above the 15 pounds. Okay, this diet fam claims eating like a snake can help you lose weight. Ah, I get it. That's the snake diet guy. So, uh, but applying that to AI, what would be cool is if we could feed the AI engine, here's my DNA test results, here's my blood work, here's Mm, where I've lived in these zip codes for the last... XYZ number of years. I'm crediting uh, Mark Isaacson. Mark Isaacson, credit to this. He owns Village Green Apothecary, and he did my DNA testing, my blood testing, and he has an API into the, oh, what is that US government industry where they map out? It's the EPA. So he does something really, really cool. He has, do your DNA testing, find out what your genetic genome markers are and all this other stuff, do your blood work, and then map Then take what your genetic code is and map it to where you've lived in a zip code and all the toxins that could be in the environment where you've lived over the last years and then customize a diet to you, which I think is where we're going. Because there is no snake diet, liver king, whatever, carnivore, keto, vegetarian, whatever it is, because everyone's body is different, right? So it's really not necessarily... And I learned that kind of the hard way last month being in morocco because i was always kind of like a yeah you know vegetarianism like you know uh um you know vegetables no no it's keto it's like carnivore and like so all i did was eat fruits and vegetables for a month and i didn't even really think about it and walk and i came home and i thought the scale was broken i lost 14 pounds didn't even think about it anyways but
1: you know that that's the thing with ai so that's why i'm very positive on it i'm like hey look we could go down this dystopian path where it's like monitors every little thing we do to squeeze every ounce of productivity out of us and everyone's going to be like life sucks or we can actually use this stuff to actually benefit people this is where my personalization background comes in because i was always like i'm not selling products i'm i'm selling experiences that people want Hmm. and the same thing with ai applies it's like i'm not here to sell you another twinkie or ipod or whatever mm-hmm. i'm here to sell you an experience what do you want to do mm-hmm. i mean when i worked at best buy selling electronics i always like nobody comes to our store to buy a, a an xbox just to have it sit in their living room and say hey look i got an xbox mm-hmm. now some guy in his 20s thinking about playing call of duty or you know madden mm-hmm. against his Mom on a snow day is thinking about keeping her kids contained so they don't tear the house apart. Mm. Buying experience with AI, you're buying experience as well. So if I'm if I'm a logistics manager, what am I trying to do? I want something that's going to solve my pain points, make me look good to my boss. I'm not necessarily buying quotes. And if I'm a if I'm a consumer, well, what am I doing? Am I trying to lose weight? Am I trying to have the uh, an ideal vacation? Am I looking for Somewhere new to go eat or some cool new song, or am I just looking to have like a little digital chat buddy that I text with when I'm on the bus going home. Hmm. Those are all experiences. If you focus on the experience and the pain points that you solve for people, this stuff works really well. But if you want to create the just track everybody for productivity, everyone's hmm. gonna hate.
0: It. Let's finish the um let's finish the logistics example. So where were we going with that once we fed this all? How do we feed this? Exp- so I guess you told me, like you say, so we got executives they can use a, um, like a chat bot application to give you spot prices and stuff like that. How can we generate more business if we're a broker? Or how can we take it to the next level? How can we take the business...
1: It's really about optimizing so you're using the the agent to communicate with the customer and it's like hey maybe you ought to be using this trucking company because they seem to fit what your needs are better better delivery time better dock uh etiquette things like that or hey you're you're usually shipping on tuesday but you could probably get better rates if you ship on tuesday or hey stop pulling your loads from the long long beach port at 3 p.m you're gonna get hosed in trucking fees because no trucker is going to want to pick up a port in la at la and have to drive out to arizona at three o'clock in the afternoon they're going to be like yeah i'm going to be stuck in traffic for the next four hours just in la i'm going to charge you more for that
0: so a tool to help agents possibly even sell better yeah hmm. um or grab new customers that might be with somebody else
1: or you know you you go back to the logistics manager like you know a uh, so I'm based in the Twin Cities and we we have this customer that's also in the Twin Cities and their primary mark, uh, retail that they sell into is Target. Okay. Also in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. The thing is- How many they, Targets are in the Twin Cities? Oh, probably like easily 50. Okay. I think every suburb has at least one. Okay. Uh, so if I had an agent for them that helped them figure out how to communicate better with Target, because they're they're a small fry uh in terms of like targets uh you know who they deal with right. but so they need to figure out how do they get target's attention what what's the right information to talk about when they talk to target so they can actually get target to pick up the phone uh-huh. that that's useful information hmm. so i can get data about how how other companies interact with target and how and tell them it's like hey i'm a small local business trying to sell to target how, what's the best way that i can interact with them? oh well, this is how because if you're like general mills yeah, that's a very different relationship. You've probably got like a direct line connection to the merchant.
0: You, you've just got me thinking. I, I'm, I'm literally, um, yes. What about return on investment in in, in all of this AI stuff? Are, are people not just seeing that? The, is there just no numbers to crunch yet? Or what? where is there? Yeah, the, are they just not seeing it or what?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the issue I ran into It was like, oh, well, I read it takes like, you know, hundreds of thousands to set up an LLM. And I'm like, no,
0: it took us two grand. Hmm. I'll pay you two grand (laughs) plus an extra plus an extra 4,000 to bill it for. We just got to figure out something. What do we want to do for dissecting popular it nerds? Let's just do this as a test for dissecting popular it nerds. You know, know, what, what tool could we do for it directors? What, what can dissecting popular it nerds invest into the marketplace as a tool for it directors? What could we do for them? leadership how to speak to my how do i talk to my ceo and sell him this forklift that's uh i don't know a hundred thousand dollars over budget uh let's see what else we would do um what uh top security products uh should i be using right now or who's getting hacked the most or, i mean what, what, the, the, this, the possibilities are probably endless
1: yeah i mean like if i take like engineering groups that i've dealt with you know they usually come with metrics like hey our uptime is this and yeah uh, this is KPIs. how
0: kpis yeah
1: this is how how many uh story points we dedicated to to new projects here's what we dedicated to bugs and it's like mm-hmm. oh, okay that, that's somewhat interesting but can you bottom line it for it for it for me i don't mm-hmm. I really understand like what's the connection here to revenue and mm-hmm. oh. and that's what, like, uh, i don't know <laughs> I, got this from, I got this from datadog this is what it told me hmm. and you know a great example like when i was working at target uh so I was, I was working for this guy who was, who liked to be very technical. So we're going in and talk to the, you know, the SVP of marketing. And he's like, I'm going to handle it. We walk in there. The guy's like, you got 15 minutes. My boss is like, yeah, so we're building this with Scala and we're building this other thing with Python and we're, you know, we're. We're using agile on this project. And the guy's just sitting there like, yeah, yeah. Looking at his watch and I just go, so for this project, we're going to take the conversion rate, which is typically a 2% and bring it up to 5%. And for this other one, that's typically a 3%, we are taking it up to 7 He goes, hold on. Calls in a bunch of other guys at 15 minute meeting, went for an hour and a half. because uh, Now I'm talking what he wants to hear. Conversion, cool. you know, average order basket, time on the site, how much of our marketing spend is going towards this. He didn't care what what programming language we were using. It, it was like nothing to him. He wanted to see dollars and cents.
0: Golden, golden advice for everyone out there listening. Absolutely golden advice. Um, how do you make someone that speaks like the data nerd that's like really excited about himself and? How smart he is, and talk about all these programs and Python, and everything. Speak like what you just did. Oh, hold on. that's like that's like uh, yeah, yeah. Please pull that book off the shelf. It's uh, and this is an audio show. So what what are we looking at here? Alchemy. It's
1: Alchemy by Rory Sutherland, who's the uh, vice chair of Ogilvy. Okay. He's got a bunch of videos on YouTube, but essentially this guy is like, hey, people make emotional decisions and then look for a rational excuse. And I've always been like, yeah, that's old
0: school. That's real old school. That's even back to Zig Ziglar and all that. Yeah, yeah. go ahead.
1: People, you know, and it's true. And he's talking about like, hey, you know, Uber didn't didn't kill taxis because it was digital. You could order a taxi before Uber came along online. But Mm -hmm. what Uber did was they removed uncertainty. So I could see the car, the driver, I got an ETA, and I see the little map, just literally walk out of my hotel, and there I am. The uncertainty removal is really the thing. And that's that's the same thing, that sometimes you have to remove the uncertainty for people and just speak their language. Uh, but that doesn't always work, because again, people are irrational. And you know sometimes they'll just be like, no, nah, I need a short bet. It's like, well, then you're in the wrong business. Go work in government, I guess. Go work at the DMV.
0: Remove the uncertainty. Remove the uncertainty. That's uh that's the highlight. That's the highlight of this entire conversation for any IT director out there listening. How do we remove that uh, then go ahead, remove the uncertainty for chat G- chat GPT? That's what we have to do then. I want to throw that back in you. The irony of this whole thing is remove the uncertainty for well, chat it's the GPT. uncertainty,
1: it's the uncertainty in the customer experience. But as you're building these things, like as I was just going through and I was just like, hey, you know, they're like, this is this has risk. I'm like, hey, getting up in the morning has risk. I'm sorry, but that's life. I don't mind risk. I'm comfortable with risk because I understand that's how innovation happens. And I just look at this space and I'm saying like, I go back and I look at the big data, data science time. So I was building out the data science team at Best Buy back in 2011. Mm -hmm. and i can tell you everybody and and i was in what was called emerging technologies everybody in it told me i was nuts data science is a fad a year from now no one will be talking about it i'm stupid for putting money into it Hmm. i was like no you guys don't get what's coming there there are certain trends you can see where it's like everything's data yeah and i was just like they weren't collecting any unstructured data and i'm like i'm going after all that and everyone was just like that's worthless. No, nobody nobody uses that. Everything's relational databases. I was like, nah, you don't get what's coming, guys. The world's about to change. And yeah, sure enough, we turned that into like, uh, so this was all around personalization, which we were using a, a vendor at the time and making 25 million, uh, turned that into a billion in revenue. How would you do that? Well, the nice thing was the timing. Uh, I worked there during the year of the three CEOs, so nobody was really paying attention to what I was doing. Mm-hmm were just like you're nuts you're stupid it'll never work okay then leave me alone and they did so <laughs> we put all these algorithms for online in-store Best Buy for business the warehouses uh you know anything we get our hands on and we just started even the call centers and we just started figuring out like hey how do we like measure the the revenue impact and so we were doing like average order volumes were going up by like $25 using them just like basic collaborative filtering recommenders
0: true ah recommendations
1: true yeah true one-to-one personalization you were going from a one percent conversion it. rate
0: to a 15 to 17 percent conversion now i get it that is so powerful that is so powerful yeah now other for people like you who bought this, also bought this. Yeah, it's like, people what? Are, people are I social it. Creatures. Yeah. The,
1: the thing was the time on site metric was insane. So you had like people doing like five, 10 minutes without personalization. Then you just throw in these collaborative filtering recommenders, which really, I, I don't even call them like personalization because they're technically not, uh. but people would spend like 40 minutes on the site, just keep clicking on all these different like recommended products. Mm, yo, that is that's- then the call center, this was, this was mind blowing. So I'm sitting in the call center, mm-hmm. we're testing this recommender for the call center. Mm-hmm. So like somebody's like, Hey, I saw this laptop like six months ago, but now it's not there. You got something similar. They give all the specs and we recommend another product for them. Now we actually took this from geek squad. So we created one for geek squad where like a part we'd recommend a like for like part. And then it was like, Hey, wait a minute. Let's just take that same thing, tweak it. Put it in the call center. So that normal call without the recommender, 40 minutes. Okay. With the recommender, 15, 20 minutes. And half of that was just like chit-chatting. So that person went from having to sit on one call for 40 minutes and now they could do two calls in the same amount of time.
0: I don't get it. You gotta explain that again. How did we cut the time? How did we how did we cut the call in half because of a recommendation? No, because is that because the they didn't know what to re- They didn't know what to recommend the customer. Is that what it was? And yeah. they were searching for them. Uh, they're
1: they're constantly like well is this get what you it. want what you want yeah yep. so with the recommender we gave it was spot on and they were just like yeah this saves us so much time now these guys are hourly so the fact that they can now churn through more customers yeah, you stuff, just
0: smoked, you just you just smoked it that was yep. uh that, that that's a home that that's a that's a that's a grand slam
1: yeah, and then Best Buy for business, you got like, you know, business accounts. And again, the, you got like your traditional B2B salespeople there calling up. It's like, hey, you like, you need any supplies and stuff? It's like, no, 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 no. Look at their purchasing
0: history. Look at like, do how like a grassroots year thing. Year. We could do like a grassroots thing here. Like, how do we, how do we support the small business owner to like be super nimble and around and, and and jump around all these other big guys? Yeah.
1: And the thing is like the cost has come down dramatically. I mean, back when I built it, so my first year operational run, that includes like labor mm-hmm. as well, like 3.3 3 million, which for a fortune 500, that was actually cheap. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you could do that for like, you know, a couple thousand.
0: Oh man. Everyone listening. Edward is up for grabs. Um, we need, I'm pretty sure his like base salary is like 500,000, um, (laughs) (laughs) plus, uh, plus 20% of business growth. Um, uh, huge, um, just, just the tip of the iceberg, you know, of why, um, why ai is exciting uh forget about the fact that the you know deep fakes and, and all that other stuff go ahead deep fake phil howard i love it you know what i mean i already told my wife honey you're gonna see a video of me with another woman very soon and it's not me i just want to let you know ahead of time <laughs> so and, uh it's gonna look fake now but later on it's gonna look real um the, yeah i
1: the- tried that with mid-journey that didn't go over well with the wife
0: <laughs> yeah um, the there's gonna have to be some security aspects around that. That's a whole nother thing that's gonna have to. Um, I was thinking, why don't we have some kind of like weird, you know, digital token? There, you have to like, you know, uh, provide a blood sample to your computer to verify that this was created by you or something like that. Probably gonna get that far. Yeah, you know,
1: the the legal and ethical side, I think, is gonna be very interesting. But you know, that's where I'm still like, hey, I focus on like the positive aspects and mm-hmm. saying how do how do we actually use this to help people. Mm-hmm. You know better experiences, uh and this is something that it's interesting when I talk to like twenty somethings. Like you know, some of the people on my team. Like I've got this great analyst, uh, Alana. Mm-hmm. She's just like, yeah, you know, the the older generations, this grind it out at work for like eighty hours a week. She goes people my age don't want to do that.
0: Nah, they're, they're ruined. They're all ruined. Lazy bums. Just <laughs> that, like, hey, you know, should <laughs> should they be doing that? I, you know, we might not. Nah, have- nah. We well, have these be... philosophical,
1: on, on my team with my like engineers, data scientists, analysts, we always have these philosophical conversations in which, and it's great because even like 10 years ago, we were having these conversations like, hey, we're building these recommenders, like mm-hmm. Are we building the right thing for the right reasons. And it's like, hey, would you be okay with this thing being used on you? And if the answer is no, then we probably should stop.
0: It's just a recommendation. Would you like to supersize it? I mean, <laughs> no. Well, like at one point,
1: at one point, I had another team ask ask me. It's like, hey, can you grab like the MAC address and everything associated with it? I can, but I'm not going to.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's that like that article that came out of on Zoom Communications the other day when they updated their um they updated their terms of service that it was like by clicking here or something like you agree that we can use like you know camera feeds data everything about you and feed it into an ai engine and you know is like yeah very very wrong
1: well and that's where i think it's going to get interesting because i and they're
0: recording this right now (laughs) i
1: I think people really need to uh, push back and say like hey it's actually my data i'm letting Mm -hmm. you use to Mm -hmm. help me get something out of it and i'll pay you if you give me a good service but it's still my data
0: that's kind of cool yeah how can we personalize our data how can we take back the power and put a price tag on every human being um and attach it to their? how can we put a price tag on every human being and attach it to their social security number and can we go down that uh um uh what we usually have this like you know uh, conspiracy theory part of the show and I have a friend that's like, you know what they use your, your social security, you're really owned by the United States and you know, all this type so, of stuff so. uh,
1: Doc Searles uh, he was one of the Clue Train Manifesto authors, he came out with a book uh, called The Intention Economy and there's a more technical book but written by a professor from University of Utah called The, the Live Web mm-hmm. so the two of them are really kind of companion books, but in there Doc was talking about uh a personal cloud concept and like around 2013 it got a little bit of traction but really fizzled out and i was just like hey this might be a really good idea in retail but i don't see any of the retailers would actually build this because they all don't trust each other to share the data. So it would probably have to be somebody outside of retail. Essentially, you have your own data locked up in this personal cloud. And you can say, hey, I want to lose some weight. What, what do I need to lose some weight? Like, here's like what, I, what I'm thinking of doing. It's like, oh, you probably need some shoes. You're going to need some gym clothes, water bottle. All right. <laughs> go to go Target. Out go to here. Yeah. Go out there. Get me some bids on this stuff. Isn't that so what that, Amazon is? Well, it would go to like Amazon, Target. Yeah. walmart and like see like hey who's got the best price and i was like it, it's a good idea but i just i i always saw like the retailers would probably really push back on this
0: well it's a race to, as they like to say it's a race it would become a race to the bottom but that's well, kind of would, already going on
1: yeah the thing that i was i liked about it was it's going to protect the the data of the individual a bit more because i do think companies really do sometimes take a little bit too much advantage of that
0: uh, this has been very inspiring for me. I'm definitely thinking of how to selfishly use this to my own advantage and um, take advantage of all the data out there and then make many suggestions um, many uh, suggested buys to people somehow somewhere. This is great.
1: Well, there's lots to there's there's lots to do. it's it's uh, like I said, if we look at it from a positive perspective, I think AI, you know especially merged with personalization would be absolutely amazing. The funny thing is in the B2B world, they do very little personalization. But it's, it's actually, true. it's easier because you often know the intent of the customer. Whereas in the consumer space, somebody walks into a, a Target and they walk out, you have no idea why they even got went in there in the
0: first place. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's true. The and I kind of just throw my hands up in the air. I was like, "What do you expect?" I mean, these people are like hourly workers. What do they care? Like, you know, I I actually expect people to be. If if I run into an employee in any retail establishment that's actually enthusiastic and personal and everything, I'm like, "This this person's going somewhere."
1: Well, like when I worked at uh, Target, the interesting thing was they didn't actually know who was in the store they only registered you as a customer when you actually went to the register. So there was no light beam like tracking the, how many people <laughs> want out of the store. Yeah. Like, if you go to were. a Best guy, you'll see the employees walk through the exit because there isn't a light bar there. There is on the entrance. They're, they're tracking like how many people come in.
0: Mm, yeah. It's um, so in the B2B space, it is very kind of impersonal. Like, so, so there is a lot to be, um, uh, there's a lot of low hanging fruit is what you're saying yep. there's a lot to be done and you are the guy uh to get that dune to get that done um edward chenard thank you very much for being on the show today it has been a pleasure um and it, it's certainly got my mind uh thinking about many different things that uh probably we should be doing here on dissecting popular it nerds and uh it's um it's exciting i think it's not something to be feared uh but then again that's coming from you know um, I guess an ex marketing guy, data science guy versus a, um, you know, the guy that's building the machine out there and probably worried that it's going to um, kill everybody in the future.
1: Well, probably the, uh, like, I, I've, i I've, cause I've heard people say, well, AI is going to be more efficient. I was like, well, if you, t- yeah, I mean, if, but if you tell it to do something stupid, it's going to do it efficiently, but it's still going to do something stupid.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, well, thank you, sir. Um, any final words of wisdom?
1: Uh, yeah, just stay positive on it. I mean, I think we're at the start of something that's really exciting and it's a time to shape it the way you want it to be. Don't let somebody else tell you how it's going to be.
0: Yeah. And with that being said, look forward to, uh, I am going to have my data uh, science uh, PhD friend on the show um, in the next couple of weeks. And he is a a, a fully 110% doom and gloom. We need to do everything we can to protect the world on this. So look forward to that showing that show coming up. Thank you everyone for listening to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds.